0: We're going to talk about all of the topics surrounding what it takes for you to step into your God Goddess journey with me as we uncover all things living self-actualized and in your inherent divine God state. This podcast is about doing whatever it takes to develop and nourish the God in you. You, 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 you. you. Oh, Hey, you all. This is going to be the intro to the intro of this podcast interview with Myra Lewin, who is this beautiful, amazing woman who owns Hale Pule in Bali. I cannot wait to show you all the magic behind what she has created. So Myra is an Ayurvedic practitioner, an Ayurveda yoga therapist. She is a professional member of the National Ayurvedic Medical Association and is a master yogini. She has a amassed more than 10, not even 10, 100,000 hours of yoga teaching experience spanning over 30 years. So in 1999, Myra Lewin founded Haley Pule, which I want you all to check out online. It's at h a l e underscore p as in paul a l e once you see what's going on in her community you will know why i had to have her on because it's just so fascinating to see this beautiful conscious community come together in this way she has guided thousands of visual individuals around the world through consultations and healing and immersive trainings and online programs and this, at the heart of Haley Poole, is a really, it's just a free online community with over 20,000 members from all around the world. She's also the author of several books that I've read. One of them is The Freedom of Your Relationship to Food, also Simple Ayurvedic Recipes, Dine with Myra. And she also has two pretty amazing podcasts that I love to listen to. One of them is called Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga at Haley Poole, and then Spark Your Intuition, which I will link all of those in the show notes. So without further ado, let's just jump right into this episode with Myra. Myra Lewin, who has been very inspiring to me on my own personal health journey and guiding me through Ayurveda and just learning about how to fully embody this system in a way that is easy and also just gives hope to it not to give up because it can be difficult navigating your holistic journey and all of the different things that you are trying to do in order to get better. And it sometimes can feel hopeless, but what I love so much about what Myra is doing with Hale Pule is it's pulling together all of these beautiful aspects into one beautiful, harmonious sanctuary, I want to say of people and energy and food and like all of this amazing stuff give you an image, a glimpse into what is possible on your own health journey. So Myra, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I so value this.
1: Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
0: Amazing. So if you would just tell us um, a little bit about how Ayurveda has helped you in your life and just what your journey was like. To fully embodying this this system,
1: you know, I, it was I would say it went all it went in a direction, but it didn't happen all at once for sure. You know, it's been an evolution over the years. I came to yoga first, and I came to meditation in yoga, and that is yoga. And then for me, pranayama and asana came came a little later. But you know, as as you mentioned, I I've, I have a background of trying to do things so that I could feel better because I didn't feel very good. I didn't feel good as a kid and I was pretty strong. So I managed to go through life, but always had some pain and a lot of discomfort and all kind of that those kinds of things. And and so, you know, coming to yoga, it made some difference. And I had been involved in the organic food movement early, and early on in the 70s and trying to eat healthy and, and do the best that I could, but it still just wasn't enough. You know, and it didn't give me answers. It was always as if I was a ping pong ball that was just popping around. And moving all over the place, and and so when Ayurveda then was introduced to me in the beginning, I thought it was I thought it was too complicated. <laughs> I said, Oh, I don't know, I'm doing okay. It's, it's too much, too much. And and I was I was fairly busy, you know, in life at that time. So and then thank goodness it came back around to me. You know that that my friends and and other people you know had said to me, you know, Myra, you really ought to try the ghee because uh, you know you're you're talking about how stiff your body is and how it hurts and all that, and I did, and wow, what a difference it made! And that was a moment of recognizing that that I had become comfortable in what I was doing, even though it wasn't working. And that's something that I see so much now, you know, that that it's part of the human experience, I feel. That we, we like to get in that, that place, okay, okay, I know what this is. And then it feels good, and then it doesn't feel good. Yeah, it feels good in the beginning because it's maybe a little bit different, maybe there's a little bit better, but it's not resolving it. And so when I came to Ayurveda and I finally opened up to it, everything made sense. It made sense as to why I had felt the way I did through my childhood it made sense why I was feeling the way I did right then. And then I started to be able to, to have resolution to these things from the past and really to evolve in a way that I never imagined possible. I wasn't sick often, but I'd had uh, I'd had rheumatoid arthritis and I, and I had put it at bay, we could say, but then I was able to really resolve that. But also to recognize, you know, that, that if I didn't take care of myself in a way that was in alignment with nature and with my own nature, my own constitution, that I would have that problem again or something like it. And so, it, you know, those are the kinds of things that in my previous, I would say early in my life, that wouldn't give me a lot of comfort. But today that gives me comfort because I know that I have the power to make the difference in how I feel. And that's something that uh, that Ayurveda and yoga both give to us to understand ourselves. Inside, understand what's going on. what's What's the function? What's not working? And to be able to do something about it. And those those things that we do about it are actually quite simple. So, but it's it's just so different for us, right? And change is something that <laughs> is that something that you know. Perhaps in the last few years that that we can all sort of get a little more comfortable with that. You know, that some things might seem like they're not good, but there's always something good coming around the corner. Getting comfortable with change was something that, that uh, came to me in Ayurveda because things would change for the better. and my mind, I wouldn't even notice it at first. And this is something that the practitioner that I worked with in the very beginning and when I work with people now, you know, you have, we get so used to looking at the problem that we don't look at, the, well, look what's happening here, though. You know, there's so many good things. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what my journey with Ayurveda is like and has, it continues to be that way. It, it continues to amaze me, actually, our ability to heal, our ability to evolve and to age gracefully.
0: I think that's the most inspiring part about everything that you've done and everything you have going on is when I first found you, it was through your podcast, actually, which I highly recommend everybody check out. I'm going to link everything below in the show notes, but also then I found you on Instagram and then I started going on your website like every other day, you know, just kind of see like what was going on and seeing that, but then going back to your original book or your books, but the very first book, Freedom in Your Relationship with Food, I was able to hear more of your starting journey onto your holistic path. And that's when I realized I'm like, okay, she wasn't just born this way. I mean, I know that sounds silly, but it's like when you first see you like online from just like the the, like regular person, like see you online, you're like, oh, this person was just like born this way. But when you listen to your book, I'm like, okay, she's just, she was a woman who was actually extremely successful in the matrix world of the nine to five hustle and all that who dealt with serious issues like digestion issues, which we all deal with consistently and continue to not give up and just go on deeper and deeper, deeper into the holistic journey. And I wanna just mark that a lot of people when they first come to Ayurveda, they think about the doshas right away, right? And they take the test online, which you have a test on your website, which I really like. But one thing I do like about your teachings too is that you talk about, Ayurveda beyond the doshas. And I would just like for you to talk a bit more about that.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, how Ayurveda is introduced now in a lot of places in the world is was it was modified to look at it be, uh, just through the doshas initially because it came, I, I'm thinking of the United States because that's where I was, uh, that it came to the United States and we we're so linear in our thinking that those early folks who were, t- were trying to find a way to introduce it that people could grasp and so typing, you know, giving, oh, I'm a vata I'm a vata or I'm a pitta or a kapha, it was something that people could grab onto and understand. Because honestly, we we're so disconnected from the notion of the five elements that make up the doshas, you know, and that, that the dosha is just a way of describing it. Most of us couldn't even comprehend that. <laughs> so, so, and to think about that, the elements are in us. Really, I mean, and once you get the idea, then it's it's obvious. But again, it was so that's how the dosha questionnaire, the dosha test, uh, came about. Yeah, so it wasn't something that was used in India. That's not how they look at it. And uh, and I would prefer not to use one, <laughs> but uh, I'm encouraged because people relate to it. And there's there's two things that make it useful. One is that it gets us to look at ourselves. And we can see all the different characteristics and all the different things that are possible for a human being. But it's also, um, you know, as, a, as a practitioner, looking at what someone came up with, I can look at that and then I see how someone sees themselves. Yeah, And so then from there, I can see how do I see them based on the other information they give. And then we can put that together. and uh, And that tells me a lot about the condition of the doshas, but also what's also going on with their agni, with their digestive capacity, and how all of that is affecting their, their, not only their physical body, but their mental state and their spiritual connection. And that so it, it, it's not definitive either you know they it's just to give an idea in in terms of the constitution or in terms of the state of imbalance because sometimes we can be so imbalanced and we can and people will say and and i was this way which was all my life it's been that way though but we can be born imbalanced especially these days with the the birth process being not particularly natural for a lot of people so
0: you know so th- so that's the notion. Oh, all of what you were talking about there with the balance and being balanced inside and emotionally balanced, that part I feel is a huge piece in why it's so important to continue on with your holistic journey. Even if you've taken the dosha test, then you put it aside because, like Myra said, it it can, she even felt oh, this is too complicated at first, but then kept coming back to it and then doing something else and then coming back to it and going deeper. I encourage people to do this because what another thing I really love about that what she ties together in her books as well is sort of this you liken the life of unconscious eating to the frog boiling in the water, right? Like you don't really know what you're doing until it's too late. So I love how you are connecting this emotional imbalance with the also um, your connection to your Dharma in life you talk about. So I would love for you to talk more about that with this connecting your how being in this Ayurveda world, and also continuing on with this path, how it really does truly get you in deeper alignment with your emotional balance to help you shed some of this um, programming that we receive received from the time that we were children, right, with emotional eating and uh, these different patterns that we pick up. So yeah, if you could speak more to that.
1: I think of Ayurveda as just life in many ways. You know, when it's new for us, it's like, oh, OK, so I'm doing this Ayurveda thing. And that but in the long run, it, it's really just life. And we say, well, but it's so different than mainstream. It's different. It's so different than the commercialized commercialized eating and commercialized socializing, how, we're, how that's Happened. Um, we have ways. We have ways of speaking about this in Ayurveda and yoga, and and so I want to I want to talk about that for a moment. It's it, that we look at these aspects uh, that are present in nature, and again, we're nature also, and so the, and it's it's tamas rajas and sattva, They're called in Sanskrit. And tamas is that part of us that is stagnant, um, or it's our sleep. Yeah, so these are not good and bad, but it's and, and that's. That stagnation, though, uh, beyond our sleep, becomes problematic. It keeps us away from our dharma. It keeps us away from our truth in life. And then rajas is the activity of life, but it's also, it's the disturbance that comes from activity, particularly overactivity or too much. And then there's sattva, which is the sweetness of life, the balance and the harmony. So you can think of tamas, rajas, and sattva. We all have all of it in us. It's just a matter of how much. And so it's also in the food, and so, if you know, just think about that um, food that's kind of stagnant is food that's stale, something that's been in a package for 10 years, uh, you know, something that's burned or overcooked and leftovers. Things, these are things that have no life force in them. Even though they might have some taste, there's no life force. It means your body can't really do anything with it except put it off and make poor quality tissue. And then, and then food that's rajasic is going to be the stuff that's really stimulating and, uh, you know, hot spicy things and stuff like that. So that creates that in the mind and the body. So it creates disturbance in the mind and body. Think about this. And then there's septic foods, Uh, you know, most fresh fruit, most fresh vegetables, most most whole grains, you know, those kinds of things cooked in reasonably well wa- balanced ways and uh, and those things they're pleasing and they're easy to digest and so you get better quality body tissue and you get a calmer mind. That's the thing where we have this separation, you know right? We don't think about that what I eat actually makes my body tissue, it actually formed, helps me form my thoughts <laughs> yeah, and how I handle my emotion uh, so those are, it's a huge factor that we Sort of have this, you know, separation there. Many thanks to the commercialization of food, right? And so this separation has been created, and we need to bring that. We need to bring that back, you know. So that's why we talk so much about it at Holy Family. We talk about you know, that that eating and food are is food is a connection to nature. Eating is a sacred act. It's our connection, you know. We say, "Would like I, I want to go out and go on a hike and hug a tree?" Well, and I'm doing something similar when I eat potentially, right? If I have that. Respect for it because I'm in the action of eating. I'm meant to respect the food. Yeah, it's an offering from Mother Earth, if you will. And I'm respecting my body, my own, myself, my body, and my mind. So that's those are the kinds of things that Ayurveda gives to us. And then it's not really so much about Ayurveda, it is life again ayurveda is the science of life or the science of living and so it's just a different way of doing it we've been commercialized and and a lot of our relating has become quite transactional and so what ayurveda and yoga does is brings us back inside So that we can get to know ourselves, which means then how I get to know you is, is, is there's, there's a much more opportunity for intimacy. And when I say intimacy, I mean, having that moment of connection, that's. And yeah, because that's what that's you know, one of those things that you can't even describe how feel how good it feels. Eh? So 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 that's you know that's what th- that can do for us. Just as an example with the food, but it's in everything we do. Yeah, everything we do matters. And uh, and and so yeah yeah. So we don't when when we're starting out, we don't have to we don't have to make ourselves wrong. It's more about making choices and and understanding that you have a choice. And even if you feel like oh I'm addicted to something and I don't have a choice anymore you have a choice <laughs> there's it's always there you may feel like you've lost it and and it may be gone for a while but there's there's a part of you that knows and that part of you is what we want to cultivate and bring forward that's what the practices of yoga are for that's what the practices of Ayurveda are for it's sometimes it can seem kind of lofty in life but we're all looking for that right I mean really and that and then but with but with Ayurveda and yoga you can take it right down to the very tiniest detail and see the connection because it all matters everything we do everything we expose ourselves to it matters because and so one of the things that that i suggest having been around the planet for a while is uh be selective be selective about what you expose yourself to Uh, and uh, and and we don't have to beat ourselves up or regret anything from the past but we can understand ourselves and and find ways to move forward that are life-giving
0: I feel like that's super inspiring because I feel like when people first do find Ayurveda and they do the dosha test and all the things, it's like it can get overwhelming. And then after a while, like I was mentioning, they kind of let it go. But what I like about what you just explained there is it gives a little bit more of a broader picture of what you're getting in, in the long run with continuing on the path of understanding your constitution and like how you should be eating because it has so much more to do than just... With digestion. And I feel like that was the biggest, like, epiphany, aha moment for me is just realizing, like, yeah, like, my belly isn't, like, bloated anymore. And also, like, just I'm sleeping better. My mind is clear. I, oh, I don't have bad memory. I just thought I did, but I actually don't. So it's more of just this overall realization that when you are honoring food as this sacred offering, as this sacred process, everything becomes more in alignment, because we're not born to be so out of balance. We just become so out of balance through the food that we're eating. And obviously, the food programming that we received growing up and all of that. One thing I was wondering about is um, pachakarma. And if you could just explain that a little bit more, because that I feel like I try to understand it more, but...
1: (laughs) Okay, yeah, and it's become quite the word these days and very popular uh, to talk about. Well, you know, there's a lot of things happening these days that people are calling panchakarma that actually aren't. So pancha means five in Sanskrit. And in this case, karma means therapies or treatments. And so there are five traditional therapies that may be done in a course of treatment. So this is different. And this is different than going to a spa and, and having an oil treatment of some sort. Those oil treatments are done often as part of a panchakarma treatment series. But the Panchakarma itself, you know, they're not, they're not fluffy. They're not necessarily, you're not going to necessarily feel good during it. And even maybe a little right afterwards, it depends on your condition when you start. So this is another thing, you know, that we, that, that we recognize in Ayurveda, which is that we're not one size fits all. Everybody shouldn't, shouldn't be doing the exact same thing because we have different starting points and differences in the constitution too, but, but. With panchakarma, then we're looking at the condition of the person, and uh, and then what is needed. So these five treatments, then most of the time people don't have all five of the treatments. Yeah, you know, that you may have four, you may have three, you may have two of them uh, in in a in a panchakarma treatment. And you know, panchakarma it's, it was it was meant to be done for twenty eight days, yeah, you know, or for a month, and that that is the ideal. So that there's a process where you're preparing, you have treatments and then there's a rejuvenation time afterwards. That's what should happen. And the thing is is that now people are doing all kinds of kooky stuff, you know, doing some of the doing some versions of some of the treatments and then just turning around going right back into life. And they end up getting sick. And so I just want to say to anybody listening, that's not panchakarma. That is not appropriate. Don't do that because you weaken yourself. And it's not because there's a problem with the treatments. It's a problem with, with the approach. So the approach is very important uh, and the treatments are not to be taken lightly because they are powerful. But when you do take the steps where there's an appropriate amount of time to prepare, take the treatments and rejuvenate, the results are incredible. They're fabulous. It's, um, you know, that that disease process is reversed in many cases. Uh, sometimes it takes more than one punch of karma for that. Uh, but you know, the skin improves, digestion improves, all kinds of things people will experience as a result of that. One of the most important things is the, is the mental and emotional change that can take place. Because in in the process, those oil treatments and then the, the treatments themselves, again, more oil treatments in many cases, depending on the person afterwards, those are things that open us up on a cellular level. And when we open up on a cellular level, it affects everything. It affects our digestion, it affects our mental and emotional state and our spiritual connection. And so it's a great opportunity to, you know, to, to clear the past yeah, and to to be to free ourselves from from negative thought patterns, from old incorrect beliefs. And that. And again, if you do this thing and then just go booming back into life. Sometimes it'll cause people a lot of dis- a lot of discomfort and sometimes some pain and problems. So I just want to say that it's 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 wonderful when it's done appropriately and that. And can you go just take an oil treatment? You can, yeah. But even the oil treatments on their own, things like Abhyanga or or a shuradhara and that, but they're very powerful. You know, sometimes you'll hear the story about oh, I went and did it and I got sick afterwards. Well, because that's a person who you know, has a lot of toxins in the body. And so the oil treatment started the release of that. And so those are things that can happen. And then, so it's good to understand what you're getting into and maybe and do some preparation in, in many cases. People do shiradhara, which is warm oil coming onto the forehead. There's a few other things that go with that. And and down your head, very sensitive area. But, you know, if the mind and, and, and pitta dosha in particular are... Are high or in excess, the person can get very irritated and <laughs> angry about it, and not enjoy it and not have a good result. So those are things to just be aware of. You know, when something again in our our culture, is something that becomes very popular, everybody wants to go try it. It's a great marketing opportunity for people, but I would be very cautious about that and very selective about what you who you work with and where where you choose to do that.
0: Well, speaking about uh, like and things that excite people and things that come in and out of popularity, what are your thoughts on just dieting in general? Just curious. <laughs>
1: Dieting in general, you know, I always, I never liked the idea that the word, it came from the word die. <laughs> so, and it may have another history that I, I don't know about. I thought that was not, uh, that was something that really bothered me about the word. But uh, dieting in general, I'm not a fan uh, I because you know, the thing you say, well, why do I need to diet? Well, it's because I've been over here previously doing some things that are harmful to me, and so I, I really don't recommend it at all. And, you know, that's when when people come to work with Holly Pulley, we say this is not a diet. You, we we want you to make changes, see the results, and then make wise choices. It's your choice. And so I mean, it's not rigid. It's all a matter of what am I willing to do to, to, to satisfy my sense pleasures. And each of us has an amount that we're willing to do. when I say satisfy the sense pleasures, meaning I want, I want, I want, you know, oh, but I, you know, I want to eat, I want to eat six dates instead of one, you know, or I want to, I I want to pour a half a cup of honey on my, on my, my oats in the morning. Okay. (laughs) But there's going to be a, a, a consequence of that. And so one of the things that I found with Ayurveda and yoga is that it invites us to mature emotionally, to be responsible for ourselves. And the thing, again, that I can't emphasize enough is that if that doesn't sound Like a good deal, it's so empowering. Uh, You know, trying to get everybody else to help help me feel good—it just doesn't work in life. Uh, Trying to get that food to help me to feel good doesn't work in life. Yeah, there are ways. There are ways that we do that, and choices that we make that allow us to feel good in life. And these other things—they're very nice. They're very nice, but that's that. In the end, it's not what makes us feel good, right? Because we can be in the most beautiful place in the world eating the most fantastic prepared meal and you know if my mind is in a place of complaining and bitching <laughs> then i'm not going to enjoy it and then i'm not going to digest it very well and so on and so forth but when we start to understand that ah, you know i need to i need to get right inside before i sit down to this meal and then i'm going to get a lot better results and it's really it's that way with everything in life
0: yeah it really is and i feel like that's such that's really really it do- I like that a lot, like the the idea of how it makes you more responsible for yourself, because I feel like we're raised with this idea that the more irresponsible you are, it's like cool or something, like when you don't care about how you're treating yourself or, or the way that you're navigating life, and it's so opposite, <laughs> and then a lot of times, you, it's not until it's too late, well, it's never too late, but it's not until it feels like it's too late until you start to realize, like, okay. I really need to make a change here and I need to do something that matters. Yeah. You know,
1: it's, it really isn't. We have people who've come to us in their seventies and that, and make changes and have great results. I mean, I'm, I, it's, it's wonderful. So we can make changes anytime. We just have to become willing. (laughs)
0: I was actually curious about seasonal changes and when how to bring harmony or I live in the Midwest of the United States. So when we have winter, we have winter when we have fall, we have fall and summer and spring. And so, you know, I've heard girlfriends of mine and people are like my dosha changes and how does that work? Or, so how do you navigate the changes of the season, along with your own balance?
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. When you have those, especially distinct in that transition time where one day it'll be very winter and the next day it'll be very spring and up and down and that, those are the times where we're most vulnerable actually to, and so it's a good time to to take extra care. You know, uh, it depends on the individual as to how much change you should make in terms of food other than let nature show you. Now that's, You know, for us, you know, we have so much available all the time, but it's think about what the farmers are doing, you know, or or try to find out if you're not familiar with that and, and, you know, what's harvesting right now And, and work with that as best you can. And then you still need to balance the meal. But in terms of understanding how it affects you you know your dosha doesn't the the constitution doesn't change the prakriti it's called you're born with it it's it's, it's your it's your gift in this life and all that tells you is your tendencies your what's called vikriti or your state of balance at any moment in time yeah that we are responsible for yeah and so that means when when it's uh uh let's say it's autumn it's cooling off and the wind is blowing right now and this is where we the elements and the qualities, right? So we know vata is made up of, it's wind, right? If we think about air. And so we know, oof, then the environment is going to be pushing vata higher, which means I need to do things opposite that. I need to have warm cooked foods. I need to keep the back of my head and neck out of the wind for sure. And, uh, you know, even if the temperature of it feels okay, it's better not to. Now, somebody with a lot of kapha in the constitution and a lot of kapha and pitta, it's not going to be as big a deal for them. And then for those of us with a lot of vata in the constitution, we need to pay attention. We need to be having a scarf and a hat and things like that. So that's the thing too, is that we have this tendency, we've been raised to compare and, and that you can't do that. You need to do what's right for you. So in Ayurveda, we follow the principle of the like, like attracts like and the opposite brings balance. What that means is, and The case I just gave is that if I let the if I let that wind get all over me and 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 I'm not keeping myself warm, for example, and I'm eating raw food and things like that, those are all qualities that are going to make Vata go up. And now I've got the now the weather is affecting me too. It's going to go up. So so you'll need to do things to counter the change in the dosha from in the season, and that doesn't have to be extreme. It's usually just a few small things, but they're important.
0: That's really good to know because I just had one friend who thought she had to change her entire like thing. But you're saying like if, if you know what your primary dosha is, let's say, or like what generally where you are and the seasons are changing, just alter a little bit right or left depending on what's happening seasonally.
1: That's exactly right. It's exactly it. It's a subtle change.
0: Yeah, I would love to know just about Hale Pule and like what you've got going on there. Like I said, I invite everybody to just please check it out online. Um, you're not gonna believe your eyes. <laughs> it literally looks like a sanctuary that's somehow fallen from heaven and <laughs> and everyone looks stunning and amazing and youthful and vibrant. And it's just fabulous. So how did this come about? And I know at one point you were in Hawaii. Now you're in Bali.
1: And it started in Hawaii and we had farm, uh, organic farm there and, and that. And, then, uh, and, and now we're in Bali. And uh, What I would say is that the team that's come together over the past few years, particularly, <clears throat> we, spend, we spend time in our activity being very clear about our purpose. Yeah. So, you know, our purpose isn't to see how much money we can make. It isn't to see how many people we can touch, but it is to touch as many people as we can who are interested because we stay very clear about what we're offering. Yeah. We're offering an insight, you could say, and we do this through our programs and trainings and that we train counselors and that, and we want people to be able to, to have this for themselves. Yeah. So, so we're not Trying to collect people, we really we really want to share this in ways that people can that people can live better. Yeah. that uh, we can all enjoy our endeavors, that we can enjoy our families and that we can enjoy each other, yeah. you know understand our humanness. You know, because you know there's a lot of, a lot of people very fearful these days and get agitated really easily, then that fear has us do things that are harmful to ourselves and to others. And uh, it's very important that as you start to become aware that, oh, I don't have to be caught up in that. This is where Ayurveda and yoga can make all the difference in life. You know, we don't we don't have to condemn people who are there. As a matter of fact, that's not what we want to do. We want to think of it like this. If I'm having some clarity and I'm not feeling like I have to hate on the people around me or people on the other side of the planet and that, then I'm at the top of the stairs. I can see I'm living my life. And then somebody's at the bottom of the stairs. I don't want to go, you know, and they're down there hating on their neighbors and and, and having all kinds of problems. I don't need to go down the stairs for them. I can put my hand out and say, come on up. The is great up here yeah that's what happens when society goes through cycles yeah where we get we, we have times where we get real confused and especially when we're in fear and so that fear has us make all kinds of choices and establish opinions and become uh, stuck on things that that we realize later on maybe that oh, how could I be looking at it like that? Yeah, you know, because our view gets very narrow when we're down at the bottom of the stairs in the hole. You know, and this is what happens when people get sick. Is that you know they're down the stairs, and we need to to give them a light and a hand and say, "Come on up, let's get better." That's how I look at it, and that's what we do at Hully Pulley. We, we, we uh, yeah, and so we work together, reminding each other, reminding ourselves of why we do what we're doing, and what what do we each need to do on a daily basis. To live a better life
0: amazing to see i'm just saying that much i'm you know i it's just really cool to see because you don't really see that and it's just amazing to know that that's real when it's out there and like people can actually visit this place and and contribute and connect with people there and heal there and i know did you recently have a retreat or do you have one coming up
1: you know i haven't been i haven't been recently but i am about to in november I will be in Sydney, Australia, uh, doing a, a short immersion, a few days. And then we will be doing some next year. Yeah, we're, just, we're still in the planning stages, so in person.
0: Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add, like anything you're excited about coming up or any way that you recommend people find you or visit uh, Halei
1: Well, you can find us, as you mentioned, on Instagram and Facebook and, of course, our our website. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the Sydney immersion because we're going to be talking about aging gracefully. And the thing is, is that a lot of us don't want to talk about aging gracefully until we're old. (laughs) <laughs> and and so I, I hope that people will start to think about this a little bit more that what I do today makes my tomorrow and, and it really does work that way and so the more I can learn from my past but let it go I lighten the load then living gets a whole lot more fun and you know I, I there was something we started to talk about earlier about how that sometimes we feel like doing whatever, doing whatever with my eating, doing whatever with how I live, and how that how that seems like a cool thing to do. And I can remember a little of that myself early in my life. But what we need to realize is that it's not freedom. You know, when, when we're doing that, we're running from life. And and I'm a freedom seeker, you know, I, in the sense that I, I want to have a sense of freedom inside. I'd like to have a sense of freedom in my life. And that that is when we feel the most connected. And our, and our mind's not wrapped up and occupied with what somebody else is doing or not doing or what and that. And so just keep that in mind. Yeah. What is freedom to me? And how important is it? And am I doing things that take me in that direction? Those are things that I'm pretty excited about these days.
0: Well, thank you so much for that amazing, like, I I personally feel that the, everything that you just said right there sums up why we should care right now. And the fact that we have sort of been programmed food programming, you call it to believe that it doesn't matter. So thank you so much for putting that so beautifully. And I will link everything below. I have all the wonderful links to the upcoming retreat and Myra's podcast, which I highly recommend you guys check out. Please follow her online. It's my daily inspiration to just be able to see this living embodiment of what you're doing there. It's so inspiring. Uh, So again, just thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to the She's a God podcast. Tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I would love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at this is Jen Torres for all of the latest. And remember, she is a God and so are you.